paychecks are words that come from a book that I've read several times over the years. It's called The Shepherd Looks of the 23rd Psalm. Have you seen it? Have you read it? By Phil Keller. He analyzes the exegesis, if you will, of the 23rd Psalm, but he lives it by, by really giving us instruction about sheep uh, and about shepherds. He says this, it's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Sheep do not just take care of themselves, as some might suppose. They require, more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. For example, God has created most animals with an uncanny instinct to find their way home. But if sheep stray unfamiliar territory, they become completely disoriented and cannot find their way back home. Just as we see in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. Sheep need a shepherd to guide them, to provide for them, protect them, and sometimes also to rescue them from harm. Sheep spend most of their time eating and drinking. But if they become lost, they're helpless to find adequate food and water. Left to themselves, sheep will indiscriminately eat both helpful and poisonous plants, or overgraze their own pasture. They need to lay the water that is not impure or stagnant, not too hot or too cold, and water that is not too attractive. That's why the psalmist prefers to lie down by still waters. Sheep need other kinds of assistance as well. They are naturally passive. And virtually defenseless against predators, so when attacked, their only recourse is to flee in panic. The shepherd must be continually on guard to defend and rescue the sheep from attack. It is not surprising then that both in Matthew 9 and Mark 6, Jesus looked at the disoriented, confused, unclean, and spiritually lost crowds, and he called them sheep without shepherds. God uses the imagery of sheep and shepherds all the way through his word. Isaiah prophets and all of us, like sheep have gone astray, Jesus has turned his own way. The reason I wanted to remind you some things about sheep is that God, for all the embarrassment that it really comes to being compared to sheep, that's God's chosen analogy for us. In the fifth chapter of 1 Peter, we're going to find ourselves today. Peter's going to talk about what it means to be a shepherd of the flock of God. He uses this imagery of a shepherd and sheep to describe church life. Now, it's interesting in chapter 5, we're going to come back and revisit church life because, frankly, in 1 Peter, we already talked about relationships within the body. We've already talked about how God intends for us to be family. Lastly, was probably the most difficult passage in the book of our fear. Difficult both to teach and hear. It was Peter telling us what it means to live in an increasingly hostile culture. He was describing how to live the Christian life when the culture around us wants no part of us, wants nothing that is of value to us. In fact, they, they, they hate us. And they hate our Lord. Tough passage. 
you can say in that passage, the next step would be for me to come back and say, so here's the strategy of how we're going to do this. Well, it's not surprising, but that's exactly what it does. He says, let's kind of circle back around to the church, and let's talk about relationships again. The first time we talked about relationships within the church body this way. Now he's going to talk about relationships between the shepherds and the pastors and people. And it's because Peter is saying, if we're going to face the generation in which we've been placed, if we're going to do battle, if we're going to represent Christ, if we're going to advance the kingdom, the key to that is the church being the church. So he's going to give us some, some instruction about the relationship between those who lead in the church and those who are called to follow in the church. Yeah. Let me just say up front that this is one of the passages of scripture that um, the pastors tend to skip over because it's basically a checklist of what your pastor is supposed to look like. Okay, I just want to remind you of the this text today. Uh, the Spirit has something to say to you about you, so don't just see what he has to say to you about me. Alright? Um, years ago, years ago, one of our families had, had preschoolers, and they were doing some, some lessons or, or something. And I had a picture of me. But a picture of me and this three year old, all the picture of mom says, Did you know who that is? He said, Sure, that's the church master. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually debating over the years of putting church master on my resume as kind of an official title. Okay? Uh, as we go to this passage, Peter's going to tell us why a church master is probably not the right title to use. But in the context of the flock of God, he's going to tell us what it looks like when you have good leadership. But he's also going to describe what it looks like when a church has good followership. All right. First Peter chapter 5, we're going to do seven verses, I'm going to read all these verses, then we'll go back in and break them down. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted in you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, 
because he cares about you. Let's talk about what is required to lead in the church. Leading in the church requires, first and foremost, a shepherd's heart. Peter starts this chapter, he's just talked about living in a hostile culture, and he's going to come back and he's going to say, now let me help you understand how the church needs to be healthy so that they can face the culture that they've been placed in. He says, I exhort the elders among you, and then he gives you his credentials. As a fellow elder, and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Now this is interesting because Peter is is obtaining his credibility for the shepherds in the audience, the pastors, to listen in his words. I think 2,000 years later, this is an important verse because pastors, in many instances, are not real teachable. Peter says, I want you to understand, I'm a fellow elder. I've been where you've been. I've stood in a leadership role in the church. I've looked after the flock of God, but I've also been a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I was an eyewitness of his earthly ministry. I heard him teach. I watched him heal with the sick and the lame. I spent time with him while he was there. I stood at a distance, but I was there when he got on the cross. And I was in that empty tomb on Easter morning when he came back to life. But beyond that, I'm going to be one who shares in his glory. That is, I'm going to stand with other shepherds, pastors, elders. I'll talk about those words in a minute. And I'm going to experience what it means to have been the one responsible for the flock of God. That's his credibility. And so he starts his instruction very straightforwardly. Shepherd God's flock among you. A shepherd's heart is the first thing that a pastor should display. Now, there are three words in the New Testament that are used interchangeably for the role of pastor. The first three words is the word poiman. It means shepherd, sometimes translated pastor. It speaks to the primary role of a pastor in the church, which is leading. Pastoral care to be a shepherd. It is to provide uh, provide direction for the flock, to provide protection for the flock, to provide nurture and nutrition for the flock. A poor man is a shepherd, a pastor. We're going to talk about how all these words play out as Peter walks us through. Let me give you the second one. The second role of a pastor. Beyond the pastoral care duties that are wrapped up in the word shepherd, the second word that describes the pastor in, in Greek is the word presbyteros. It's where we get our word presbyterian. It means elder. It means one who dispenses wisdom by example. It means one who counsels and guides the thinking. There's a third word, used interchangeably as well, is the Greek word episcopos. It gives our word episcopal. It means bishop or overseer. It's a word that has to do with the ruling or the administration of the church. In 
other words, the, the, the job description of a pastor involves pastoral care, the, the nurture, protection, and, and health of the flock. It involves, if you will, pastoral care may be thought of as, as the physical well-being, the emotional well-being, and the spiritual well-being of, of the church. The term elder interchangeable. The term elder has to do with the, the intellectual uh, guidance of the church, the mind of the church, teaching them the things of the Word of God in such a way that they not only have knowledge, but that they develop wisdom. And then bishop or overseer, the episcopos. That has to do with the administration of the ministries of the church. Uh, operating, uh, overseeing uh, the, the financial administration and other aspects of, of what happens as a, as a, as a natural uh, effect in the life of the church. Now, understand all of these things and say, well, that's a, that's a pretty heavy job description. Up in the Bible. Here's the thing elements of the job description can be delegated. But the responsibility of the job description cannot be delegated. In other words, I don't do all the administration at Evergreen. I don't do all of the pastoral care ministry at Evergreen. I don't do all of the counseling ministry at Evergreen. But I am responsible before the Lord for what does happen at Evergreen. Now, the generous part that he talks about here. It's something that covers its job description. Shepherd God's flock among you. All the fullness of that role that's played out. Take the, 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 the flock that God has placed under your care, and with the devotion to God, and with love for God's children, look after them. You ever leave your toddler for the babysitter? Remember that first time? You went out, and for about 30 minutes, you were so relieved. You hadn't been out for a while, and, and, and now you have a whole evening in front of you, and, and, and it's just, it's just going to be wonderful. And about 30 minutes into the evening, all you can think about is whether the little one's okay. You see, think about, think about the pastor as the one that God has given responsibility to watch over the church. Shepherd. His heart must be with God and with the people. If it's not, it shows up in his attitude. He needs to have a service attitude as well as the shepherd's heart. Look at where Peter's going to say Shepherd God's flock among you. But then he's going to give us three contrasts to think about. He says, Not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God demanded. So that word overseeing comes from the word episcopos. It has to do with the administration of the church. Not administering the church out of compulsion, but willingly. In other words, not viewing your job as an unwanted burden, but volunteering under the call of God. Trust me, you do not want to be in a church with a pastor who's angry. The only thing we can do in life is to be a pastor. Here's the way it plays out. 
you will take a verbal flogging every week. Think about it. If you are a shepherd, and you don't want to be a shepherd, you have to spend every day with each sheep. How does that play out? Sure, on or off, I don't care, you get what you get. Sure, you got bad grass. They don't bed lions out there. That's what you get when there's a shepherd who's just there and he doesn't want to be there. What do you need? You need a shepherd that says, no, 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 that's not the way. That's not the way. No, no, don't eat that. That's not safe. I have some good stuff over here for you to eat. The pastor should not be there unwillingly as though God has put a burden. Remember that was testimony I had? I had, you know, a pastor. Stand up and say, well, I didn't want to do it. I ran from God. He finally gave me coffee. You're right now. Seriously? Yeah, you have that place. Let me give you my testimony. I never had any idea that I was going to be a pastor until God made me a pastor. Two years into pastor, I came home and I was complaining all about my day. What we were doing and, and things that were going on, and she said to me, You really enjoyed yourself, aren't you? And I said to her, Before I thought about it, You know, I, I think I could do this the rest of my life. God not only didn't push me to be a pastor, He surprised me by allowing me to have the joy of being a pastor. Not unwillingly, but instead, not out of compulsion, but willingly, as God commanded. There's a second contrast here. He says, not out of greed for money, but eager. Not motivated by a paycheck, but enthusiastic and excited by the tax. Now listen, I've had a lot, I've done a lot of churches over the years, and they were so spiritual. They decided that they were going to protect their pastor from greed by not paying him a little wage. There's a lot of churches where the pastor is probably the poorest paid person in the church. That is not what we are saying here. That is not the way a church takes care of their pastors. By the same token, a pastor that comes and demands a private claim. And so I, I had a talk to him with speaker one time. First time I ever went into this, he was going to come and speak in our city. And his request, his request, um, I won't give you the whole list, it was mind boggling. The tiny car that was picking up the airport, the kind of hotel room he was supposed to have. The request list went all the way down to the second in the room, and the temperature of the thermostat was to be set on. Well, the rest of my weekend was shocked. Because this was a man who was in it when he get out of it. Peter says, You don't want a person motivated by money. And you need pay. That's a different sermon. That's in the book of Hebrews. He didn't pay him the value of the job that he does, 
the impact that this church makes, the change in the world brought on by us. You see, I want to read the Bible every day because I'm the pastor and I thought I'm supposed to tell you. I want you to attend church faithfully because I somehow need the numbers to look good so that I look better. When I talk to you about spending time in the Word of God, when I talk to you about being among the people of God in, 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 in this place, when I talk to you about serving in the kingdom, advancing, sharing your faith, all of those things, it's not preacher talk. It's because that's what God has designed for us, and it's what's best for us. And someday, I will stand and say, Lord, with all her works, all her shortcomings, but but Jesus, you should see him all the time. Jesus said that to that pastor who was faithful, who cared for the flock of God, this is an awesome place. There is an unfading crown of glory. See, here's the thing. This steward sense of responsibility frees me up from being a people pleaser. Because in case you have figured it out, I don't work for you. I work for the chief shepherd. I had a meeting down the other years ago in a different church in a different place. He was put out with me about something, and he said, Preacher, why don't you just preach on Sunday mornings and we'll run the church? Well, you know me. I'm better.
to a humble heart, inseparably linked. He says both. I'm speaking of this phrase in the same way. Don't be mixed up. First, I said in the same way. You were in the same way. What's that mean in the same way? What are you referring to? Well, verse 4. He just, speaking to pastors, reminded them that they stand under authority to the chief shepherd. And so he says here in verse 5, in the same way that your pastor stands under authority, now I'm asking you to stand under authority. There's a line, a chain of command, if you will, that God built into the church. In the same way, you were going to be subject to the elders. That's the submissive spirit. And now we see the humble heart. All of you, not just the elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Two things about humility. Humility is not an attitude of hating yourself. It simply means having a proper estimation of yourself. It means to be aware of your personal strengths and thankful to God for what He's given you the ability to do. It means to be aware of your personal weaknesses and depend on God for improvement. It means to put other people ahead of yourself to be a team player in the church because pride only trusts itself. There are two things here that He wants us to understand. The first is in verse 5. Be humble because God resists the proud. Just a bit about that. When you are, when you don't listen to your brothers and sisters who approach you in good faith about the sins they see in your life, when you are too prideful to admit that there's anything in your life that might need to be renovated under the leadership of Pride is an attitude that causes God, listen, causes God to resist us. Is there anything in your life that you will hold on to with pride at the risk that God resists you, that God keeps you on the way? We can't keep God on the all the time. But this says, when we're prideful, God keeps us at our place. Wow. But then the reverse is just, is just as true. He says, when you are humble before God, then at the right time, He exalts us. You want to be somebody? We're trying to be somebody and follow Jesus. Jesus will make you somebody. A submissive spirit and a humble heart. I wonder if Peter wrote these words. In my imagination, writing these words, Peter was thinking back to a particular event that happened in his life. Remember that story when Jesus and his disciples were coming together and there was a meal that came prepared. Nobody showed up to wash their feet. 
Now, granted, that was a responsibility usually reserved for the lowest ranking servant in the house. Travis Kenyon, Dusty Rhodes, Sandals. No, it's a little bit of relaxation, a little freshening up, and a feet wash. So we can't do that on this day. And so Jesus took a platform, stuck into the sash, took cold water, got down on his knees, and began to wash the feet of each of his disciples. Now, my imagination, that is burning to slap under the